Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable in this post-Christmas pre-New Year's edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We're uh, once again going to the Word of God for this coming year, really been seeking the Lord about uh, what to, to put on the top shelf. There's so much in the Bible, so many things we could discuss, but what does God want? What does the Holy Spirit want to be placed as paramount on the top shelf uh, this coming year? What does God want us to be focusing on? What does the Holy Spirit want to emphasize? And we just pray as we go into this brand new year, as we mark time, that we will get a better understanding of of the times that we were living in and what God wants us to be uh, focused on, especially in the coming year. So as we go into this year, we believe the Holy Spirit has went before us and He's going to lead us and He's going to guide us. And we just pray that we might speak to you according to His wishes and His desires. So we just yield ourselves to the Lord that He might speak to us and then speak through us uh, to all who will listen. And above all, we want the gospel of Jesus to go to those who don't know Christ as their Savior. We want every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, to be safe inside the ark And the ark is a type of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the door is still open, friends. The door is not shut yet. And we are not shut in with Him. And the world is not shut out as the judgments fall. The world is invited to come. And that is the message. To come unto the Lord. To come. Whosoever will, let Him come. And drink of the river of life freely. So if you're not a Christian today, we invite you to stay tuned to this broadcast as we discuss the soon coming of Jesus Christ. The soon coming of Jesus Christ. We're revisiting this because it is so important that this message uh, become uh, that message that stimulates us to be about our Father's business, to get our household in, and then to reach out unto others that they might know Jesus. Well, having said that, we want to thank God for all the ministers that are, are in concert with us to reach out Uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right there in Madison and North Florida, there are fine ministers of the gospel bringing God's word Sunday after Sunday. And we salute you today in the name of Jesus Christ. And there are local churches right there in Madison that broadcast here on WMAF and others in the surrounding area. And if you have fallen out of church for any reason, uh, please consider going back to church Sunday and hearing the Word of God. You know, the Scriptures tell us that we should forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as Christians, as the manner of some is, but even much the more as we see the day approaching. And then the next verse begins with exhorting one another, strongly encouraging one another. We need that strong encouragement in right living, strong encouragement to keep on keeping on and to keep the faith because the coming of the Lord 
is very, very near. Amen. So we want to get into that message today once again in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament in the last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, verses 7, 12, and 20. And Jesus speaking here, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12 says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. Verse 20 says, He that testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. So come, Lord Jesus. Surely I come quickly. So Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That word is capsula, capsula, uh, capsulated, really, in, in the term Maranatha, which means, even so, come, Lord Jesus. This very statement here in Revelation uh, chapter 22 and verse 20. And Maranatha should be the, the byword, the watchword of Christians everywhere and of the Christian church in particular. The great preacher F.V. Meyer once asked D.L. Moody, What is the secret of your success? His success being not his personal wealth that he had amassed, which he did not, or this great church, and he did preach. And D.L. Moody preached not in some great church, but in great outdoor meetings. And his success was all of the people that had come to know Jesus Christ through his ministry. So F.B. Meyer asked him, what is the secret of your success? And this is what Moody replied. And I quote, for many years, I've never given an address without the consciousness that the Lord may come before I have finished. This may well explain the intensity of his service and the zeal of his ministry for Jesus Christ. One of the most encouraging teachings in the Bible is that of the Lord's return to the earth. Three times in Revelation 22 repeats the promise. As God was about to close the pages of divine revelation, He called attention to this grand theme, announcing in the words of Christ Himself, Surely I'm coming quickly. And the last words of our Lord before leaving this earth 20 centuries ago remind us that He's coming back for us with such a forceful assurance. Closing the canon of Scripture, we have this hope continually in our hearts. The expectation of seeing our Savior being like Him and being with Him for eternity should prompt us, as it did D.L. Moody, to serve the Lord with everything we are and everything that we have. Listen, a lot of people have said, and it's become a cliche about people that are, are so spiritually oriented and spiritually focused that he's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. 
Well, I want to readdress that today. I believe it's possible to not notice the people in need around us and the people that are hurting around us, and there are many social programs to address that, and I believe Christians should be leading these programs to address the needs of the hurting and the and the hungry and the naked, that we clothe the naked and feed the hungry. That's just uh, just should be a part of our Christian witness and our Christian endeavor. But I believe if you're going to be truly any earthly good, you have to be heavenly minded. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2 and verse 4 puts it this way. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not the things of the earth. And verse 4 says, And mortify your members upon the earth. In other words, put to death the, the desires and the impulses and influence of the flesh. Because it's all about the physical, material world. It's all about the temporal. It has nothing to do with the spiritual and the eternal. And I believe if we're not careful, we can get caught up with the momentum of this world that's flowing away from any consciousness of God or any consciousness of where we go when we die, any consciousness uh, at all that would bring conviction to the heart and, and put that sense of urgency that I, I'm a sinner, I am lost, I'm going to live somewhere forever. This is just a temporal world and I'm going into eternity and I need a Savior and the security that only He can give. So we need this to refocus upon the soon coming of the Lord, to make sure that not only we are ready, but that we can go out and tell others the good news of Jesus, that they might be ready also. So the world, those outside the kingdom of God, are completely blinded and indifferent to the certainty of Jesus Christ's coming. Carl Sagan, the astronomer from Cornell University, put the second coming of Christ in the same category as with the cow that jumped over the moon. We understand that he simply ruled out the meaningfulness of all religious and spiritual language. It is not scientific, and so it can't be real. And Jesus warns us not to get so caught up as Christians with this world that we are caught unprepared for His coming and the judgment to come. Luke 21, 34 and 35, St. Luke's Gospel says, And Jesus speaking, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. You see, friend, the earthbound Christian is more concerned about the return on their investment than the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ray Steadman made this statement, and I quote, One of the great reasons the church is so confused in this day. One of the reasons the church says so little of true significance to the world is that it is neglected and abandoned by and large the hope of the coming 
of the Lord. There are very few sermons preached on it. There is very little said about it. There is no time given to a consideration of what this hope means and why it is set forth so frequently and clearly in the Scriptures. Great sections of the Scripture that deal with the hope of our Lord's return are simply ignored by many Christians, and I say it with a broken heart, many Christian ministers. But it is so vitally important that we get that message because we're not living, I don't believe, in the last days. We're not living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. And because the coming of the Lord is at the doors, that it's so very close before I finish preaching and teaching today, that that event could occur and do no no disservice to any of the prophetic scriptures. There's nothing holding Jesus back prophetically except God's time. When God says, and we're not setting dates here, no man knoweth the day or the hour, only my Father which is in heaven, not even the angels, Jesus said. But in the heart of the Father, there is a time set when Christ will return. And friend of mine, it could be, it could be before this broadcast is over. And we need to get that focus back so that we lift up our heads. I've said it often to our congregation. I want to say it to this listening audience. To hear a good message on heaven, you almost have to go to a funeral. Because the, the needs are, are, and the pressures of life and responsibilities of just living in a faulty body in a fallen world seem to take precedence over where we're going to live forever. And also pushing aside this, this holy, holy message of the soon coming of Jesus. And I want to make a statement here today very clearly. The coming of Christ is an absolute certain hope. It is going to occur. Second Peter 3 verses 2 through 9 says that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come, here's that statement, in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, verse 5 says, they are willingly ignorant that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ah, friend, this good and gracious God will not be taunted into prematurely closing the door to the ark, sending the judgment, catching away his children. He will not be goaded because of those gainsayers into just saying, Go get them, Jesus, and let judgment fall on the earth. You know why he waits? Why he, he is patiently waiting, keeping the door open for people like you and I to come into the ark of safety and to be saved from the judgment to come. You know why he's waiting? He's waiting to get the last harvest in. A time will come when he can wait no longer. But right now the door of the ark is open and the opportunity to win souls to Christ, to share our testimony through our life and our words and the gospel. That door is wide open right now because God is long-suffering, not willing that any perish, but that all should come to repentance. God will not be goaded by the scoffers into shutting the door of the ark. In His love and mercy, He still calls to repentance that our sin may be pardoned. God would not complete the Bible without one last invitation in the last verses of the last chapter of the last book. The call is given. Revelation 22, verse 17 It says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the river and the water of life freely. Make no mistake about it. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And Christ is coming soon to take us home. John 14, verse 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The coming of Christ is a certain hope. That's why when he left this earth, he said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye looking into heaven? This same Jesus which is caught up into heaven, will come again. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the Bible said that coming, that knowledge, that anticipation, that that looking upward is a purifying hope. In 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Glory to God. Amen. I like what Layman Strauss said about this this portion of Scripture. He said, Every Christian I have ever known who believed and anticipated in the Lord's return, 
and who gave serious thought to His coming, also made serious preparation for it. Paul's exhortation on the blessed hope emphasizes this matter of purity. In Titus 2, 11-14, Peter likewise links Christ's second coming with a challenge to moral cleanliness and excellence. 2 Peter 3, 10-14, this blessed hope is an incentive to patience. In James 5, 7 and 8, sincerity. In Philippians 1 and verse 10, char- charitableness. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, and, and considerateness. Philippians 4 and 5 uh, uh, amplified. Nothing could possibly have a more sanctifying effect on the behavior of a child of God than the thought of the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hard occupation with the Savior's return is a strong force in weaning Christians away from the world and the world system. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 24, 42-44 You see, the sanctifying effect of hope should motivate the child of God to be diligent in keeping himself or herself pure as the ermine who lives in the forest of northern Europe. This little animal is highly prized for its snow-white fur in winter. He instinctively protects his white coat against anything that would soil it. For hunters, uh, fur hunters rather, take advantage of this unusual trait of the ermine. They don't set a snare to catch him, but instead they find his home, usually in the cleft of a rock or in a hollow tree. They smear the entrance with grime, every kind of filthy thing that they can find. Then the hunters set the dogs loose to chase the ermine. The frightened animal naturally flees toward home, but refuses to enter because of the grease and filth around the entry. Rather than soil his white coat, he is trapped by the dogs and captured and killed for his fur while preserving his purity. For the ermine purity is more precious than life itself. And the Bible said that whoever has this hope purifieth himself. One of the great terms in Scripture for the Christian to consider today is sanctification, which simply means cleansed and set apart unto God for a holy purpose. Cleansed and set apart unto God for a holy purpose. The Bible said we're to stir up our pure minds in remembrance. We need this message today because every every commercial you see, almost every movie that is out there, all uh, almost all of the music industry is grease and grime, and it's polluted. We all know that. You can't sit beside a car with a loud radio with your with your wife and family and children without hearing things that you have to roll the windows up. 
This is a this is a day when there's no shamefulness, when the world is getting darker and darker, and it's reflected in the in the impurity of almost everything. Almost everything that we touch has become an unclean thing. And the great message of God to his church today, through his own word, is come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, the scriptures teach, and touch not the unclean thing. For what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with Belial? Don't be unequally linked linked together, yoked together. We use that mainly for a believer and a non-believer. It goes way beyond that. It goes beyond our interaction and our fellowship with the world system. We need to break every yoke that, that causes us to be pressed to compromise our faith and our fidelity to God in order to keep that job, in order to do that job. If you have to lie a little bit, cheat a little bit, if you have to give up uh, a day. I'm not talking about the Old Testament Sabbath. I'm talking about giving up a day that the church has set aside to show that we are distinct from the world around us called Sun Day. Oh, friend of mine, I want you to know today that, that I'm so glad for down through the years when, when I became a Christian, I'm so glad I set aside that day uncompromisingly for the Lord to worship Him, to be in His house, to keep the Word of God that says, Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but much more. Here's that incentive again. Much more as you see that day approaching. You see, the world don't see it. They're, it's going to catch them as a snare, as Christ taught. The judgment is going to catch them as a snare. The catching away of the saints will catch them uh, to totally surprise them. But unto the Christian, we should be anticipating this day. We should be looking forward to this day. We should be looking up. Jesus taught when you see these things begin to come to pass, these things that would indicate the, the, the coming of Christ, the, the coming of the tribulation period, the, the, the last of the last days occurring on planet earth, we should lift up our head for our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. The, the final redemption is, not, is the redemption of the body itself. And the Bible said the dead in Christ will be the first to raise up. And we which are living and remain in His coming will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air in 1 Thessalonians 4. <laughs> so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. And the next verse says, Wherefore? Encourage one another. Exhort one another with these very words. And if I wrote a book, as I've said many times to our congregation, a chapter in that book, after all of these years, over four decades of ministry, in a chapter of that book would be, Whatever Happened to Heaven? Why are we not talking more about our homeland? Why are we not looking more forward to the coming of Jesus to take us home to the place that He has prepared for us? A second chapter in that book would be, Whatever happened to hell? Whatever happened to that message 
that the Bible speaks so clearly about that we we hardly dare mention today for fear of offending someone. Ah, friend of mine, we need to know once more the awful destiny of the lost and undone. They need to know the only alternative to heaven is hell, a place of banishment and eternal torment. The Apostle Paul was motivated by that reality, and he said, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He preached with a passion. He preached with a sense of urgency. He preached with a broken heart and tears. And he preached with a holy, heavenly anointing to call men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus Christ. The third thing that I would ask if I wrote a book based on all of these years of ministry, whatever happened, whatever happened to the message, the soon coming of Jesus Christ, whatever happened, are we so earthbound that we are no longer looking, anticipating, and living our life in a purity by separating ourselves from a worldview, from the flow away from God that this world is locked into today. Oh, friend, as we talk about the soon coming of Jesus, I pray that every Christian that is listening to this broadcast will be stirred today and will come apart and be separate unto God, be sanctified and meet for the Master's use. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that if you don't know Him, as your Lord and your personal Savior, that you will come into the ark of safety. The Lord is coming soon. You'll be ready for that coming. The Lord is coming soon. And the final judgment, the tribulation period, will burst upon this earth and no one will escape it. There's a place of safety. There's a place of security in Jesus Christ today. And I invite you right now to accept Him as your Savior. Ah, friend, please come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.